It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from Eastern Iowa, where apartment ownership and investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Apartment Specialist Podcast. Hey everybody, Darren Garman here, and welcome to this week's podcast, where we're going to talk about, well, you know, all good and bad things come in threes, or so they say. Uh, In this week's podcast, we're not going to stray far from the, I'll call it, theory of threes, and we're going to talk about the three dumbest things multifamily investors do. What are the three dumbest things multifamily investors do? uh, And what can you do to make sure you don't do them? And not only that, but we're going to find out exactly, hey, what are those three things? And I've got a feeling that these three things are not what you're thinking. Uh, uh, We're going to get into that. And uh, as a matter of fact, I I know for sure that these three things are not going to be in your top three things that you think are the dumbest things multifamily investors do. So it'll be interesting for us to kind of compare notes, you know, so to speak, during the podcast. I think that'll be interesting. But before we get into the podcast, just a reminder of the Heartland Multifamily Investment Summit and Property Tour. Uh, and actually, part of this has to do with one of the dumb things that multifamily investors do. But Uh, And you'll find out. You'll make the connection, I promise. But just a reminder, folks, this is filling up. We are close to capacity uh, for the Heartland Multifamily Investor Summit and Property Tour that will be happening on March 9th. Uh, That's only 60 days away. March 9th. And so to get an idea of everything that we'll cover for the Investment Summit, uh, including a... Uh, no cost to attend, B, the information that we will be covering, and C, the itinerary of everything that we're going to be uh, discussing, uh, as well as information on the property tour, which really brings it all together. You want to go to heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. That's heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. If you are a serious investor looking to make serious gains and progress through owning either passively or actively uh, your first or your next or additional multifamily uh, properties you will want to make sure you attend. That is heartlandinvestmentsummit.com for all the information on everything that we will cover. One more time, heartlandinvestmentsummit.com. All right, welcome to this week's podcast. We are going to talk about the three dumbest things multifamily investors do. And as I said early on, I have a feeling that these three things are not going to be your top three things. And maybe uh, a more fitting title to the podcast would be the three top dumbest things or the three main, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to talk about the three dumbest things that I see multifamily investors do. And by the way, the the dumbest things come from me, not because I sit on some high pedestal somewhere and look down upon the masses and think I'm judging people. 
Uh, all three of these things come through experience. And by the way, experience is something that you get not when everything goes good, but when the proverbial shit hits the fan. That's when you gain experience. The experience comes through challenges. Um, experience comes through adversity. And experience comes through life hitting you in the face, pretty much. And so uh, a lot of what we're going to be uh, talking about, and I guess another way of putting it is the foundation for the three dumbest things that multifamily investors do, not only come through my day-to-day -day interaction with investors, both active and passive, you're having to do with tens of millions of dollars of multifamily real estate, but I've been there, done that. And so uh, not only will you learn from what I have learned and noticed from, uh, you know, thousands of investors, but also from my own personal experience. And so let me start out with the first dumbest thing that multifamily investors do. So not that long ago, I'm attending a meeting with a bunch of other people like me, uh, multifamily investment people. And so a room full of us, and I would bet probably there were maybe 50 of us, 50 or probably more than that, in this room. And we're uh, really uh, going around and we're talking about and taking turns, talking about each other's uh, multifamily investment businesses, our properties, our issues, our challenges, our good news, our bad news, uh, things we need help with, things that are going right. I mean, so we're, we're kind of covering the gambit of things uh, among all of us in the room. And uh, one of the participants in this stood up and with a big smile on his face, talked about how happy and proud that he was that they just closed on a uh, nice multifamily community by financing 84% of the purchase price with an interest-only loan. I'm going to say that again because he was happy and proud of himself because he financed 84% of the purchase price with an interest-only loan that was interest-only, I want to say for maybe five years, okay? And uh, I'm going to get some criticism for this one because many of you that just heard that are going to think that's a terrific thing. That's a great thing because uh, he didn't have to, this particular owner, investor, didn't have to take as much money out of pocket to purchase the asset, uh, thereby maybe lowering some of his risk and money that he had to put into the deal and being able to come to the table with a lot of other people's money. Great idea. And... Uh, also having, uh, theoretically, fantastic returns as long as the cash flow was very positive, having that kind of financing or leverage in place, which is called positive leverage, which is the um, term that's used for that, that the return should be just astronomical. So many of you right now are thinking or saying to yourself, well, that's a great deal. Good for him. Returns must be great. Property must be great. 
everything must be just great. I say, no way. No way is that a good deal. As a matter of fact, it is number one in the dumbest things I see multifamily investors do. They over leverage, over borrow, over leverage, uh, use a ton of other people's money. And by other people's money, I'm mainly meaning commercial debt. Uh, I'm, us- I'm usually not talking about uh, owner carryback or owner financing, even though that would fit into this category, but mainly I'm referring to commercial debt. And it's really stupid to do that, in my opinion, to leverage and borrow that much money to purchase a multifamily asset, no matter how good you think it's going to be. Uh, I mean, you're really only putting 15% down to buy it. Uh, And the main reason is, in this example, there's really two things that stand out. Number one is, when you do this, you're assuming that each and every year that you own this asset, it's going to continue to cash flow the cash flow will continue to increase. In other words, you'll continue to be able to raise rents, keep expenses at bay, reduce them, or at least keep them uh, at, at their current level. And you're assuming that the property will increase in value year after year. Both of which would be a huge mistake. And it doesn't take a lot of work, time, effort, and energy to do some research and know that property values don't go up every single year, that rents don't go up every single year, that expenses can be reduced every single year. And to go in with the over-optimistic approach that values are going to continue to go up, rents are going to continue to go up, is absolutely poor, poor planning. It's the fastest way to foreclosure that you can get. That you can get. History has shown us that even fantastic multifamily properties are not immune to cyclical changes. So many times more times than I would even wish to count. I've talked about over the last few years how great multifamily is and is going to be. But realistically, will multifamily values go up every year forever? No. Will cash flow increase every year forever? No. Now, I realize that you probably won't, or this in this example especially, this particular investor will not own the property forever. I get that. But to... Roll the dice and bet that everything's going to go great, especially during that loan term over the next five years. It may work out just fine. But then again, what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't? Then you have a huge problem. And that problem usually equals foreclosure, repossession. I've seen it many, many times over the years happen to well-meaning investors that find an apartment community, they over leverage it, thinking that they're very smart in doing so, only to find themselves years down the road with no more property. That's why 
in the properties that we acquire and will continue to do so, I make 40%, 50% down payments. Again, the critics will come out and attack me for this. But it's a great way to insulate yourself against possible downside. If we have a spike in vacancy, if the economy goes to crap, if things don't work out as planned, I'd rather that loan payment be very low, right? I don't want to have a high loan payment. In addition to that, every payment I do make, I want that principal balance to be going down faster and faster and faster. I don't want to be paying interest only and the principal balance never goes down. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Why would you not increase your equity in the deal? Why? I don't get it. Again, the critics will come after me for that. I know it, but I don't care. You have to avoid the dumbest thing, which is over-leveraging a deal, no matter how good it looks. Pay down that principal on that loan. Every time those tenants give you the rent, you get it. You make that loan payment. Make sure a chunk of that gets lower and lower and lower every single month. Because the magic formula is the property value does go up, that loan balance does go down each and every month, and pretty soon, holy shit, you got a lot of equity, right? Well, you can't do that with just paying interest. Um, so that's number one, over-leveraging. Now, again, I'm a 50 to 60% loan-to-value, 40 to 50% down payment guy, okay? I am. Um, I'm not a 100% financing guy. Uh, I'm not a 90% financing guy. I'm not even really an 80% financing guy. Um, because I've seen way, way, way too many bad things happen. Um, and the smartest thing to do, in my opinion, is not only be in a position to take advantage of upside things, increases in value, increases in cash flow, but also to protect yourself in the event the shit hits the fan, right? And that's not to say a large down payment automatically frees you of that. I mean, anything can happen. But man, does it go a long way to doing that. And every single month when I'm making that loan payment, I'm paying a little more down, a chunk, a chunk, a chunk, a chunk is going down each and every month. So again, number one on my list, of the dumbest thing that multifamily investors do is they over leverage. They borrow way too much money. Um, and not only that, a lot of them are like happy about it and, you know, are proud about it. I, I don't, in my, in my opinion, again, the critics are going to beat me up and you'll see comments all over the place about this. Uh, I'm not a fan and that's not how I do things. And I don't recommend, and I recommend you don't do it that way either. All right. Number two, this is going to surprise you. And it is simply this, overanalyzing a deal. Now, I know some of you can't help yourselves. Some of you want to play with, mess around, and spreadsheet things for hours and take into account every single variable there may be. But I'm telling you, you're wasting 90% of your time. You should be able to tell 
how good a multifamily investment community will be within 15 minutes. Okay. Now, did I say within 15 minutes you should be able to make a decision to purchase it? No. But within 15 minutes, you'll know whether it's a opportunity to be involved in as an owner and investor or investor and or investor or not. And I'm talking looking at reviewing and understanding the numbers, the rents, the expenses, the market rents, the ex etc. It doesn't take longer than 15 to 20 minutes to really know. Anything beyond that, okay, you're just wasting time. You're really wasting time. Now, is that to say that you don't request maybe a couple years of financial information, historicals? Sure. Smart idea. You need to do that. Does that mean that you don't do some projections looking forward in terms of where you think rents can be next year, two years, three years? Sure, you do that. So don't take what I'm saying as basically saying, well, if you don't get your info, info crunched in 15 minutes, it's not worth it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I'll put it to you another way. You don't need five years of tax returns for the property. Okay, You don't need the last six years of rent rolls. We were working on a deal here the other day. My brokerage company was. So we're selling a small, like a, we're selling like a five unit property. And this guy that was looking at buying the property wanted five years of rent roll history. Are you freaking kidding me? What good is it to know what the units were renting for in 2015? What does that tell you? Nothing. Nothing. Five years, what are you going to learn knowing what the units rented for in March of 2016? What is it really going to tell you? Nothing. So that's what I'm talking about. You don't need to know what the gas bill on the property was, the utilities, the garbage, snow removal. You don't need to know what that was seven years ago. So stop asking for just a whole bunch of information to wade through to possibly convince yourself to not do the deal. Okay? Same thing goes for looking into the future. I understand, and I do this too. I usually look about five years into the future with my analysis and give an idea on what I think realistically, what can realistically happen. But I don't take into account... Um, you know, a possible war two years from now. Uh, I don't take into account a, uh, a large property tax decrease or increase or an insurance issue. Through I don't I don't throw in forty eight different variables and do forty eight different what ifs. Let me give you a little secret that really I think does a good job uh, of really summarizing this point. All of the investors that I work with that have significant net worths in the tens of millions of dollars, they do not use fancy, sophisticated software programs that cost thousands of dollars and turn properties upside down, inside out, and give them every answer in the world. You know what they use? They look at the income. 
They look at the expenses. They get an idea what their cash on cash return is going to be. And that's about it. Okay, what does that tell you? What clue does that leave you? If the highest net worth folks that I work with don't waste their time, effort, and energy on spreadsheeting the shit out of things and on fancy, super sophisticated overkill software programs that analyze a property inside, outside, upside down. What does that tell you? Hopefully it's obvious. So that's number two, overanalyzing. I know that's a surprise to some of you. I'll probably get a little criticism on that too, but that's okay. Um, the dumbest thing, number three. And this is something that I have been guilty of on more than one occasion, by the way. So you'd think you'd learn after, you know, one mistake, but oh no, it took me at least a couple. Um, and it's really this. Trust, but verify. Okay? Trust, but verify. And this is in all stages of multifamily investing and ownership. So when you're looking at in investing in a project, trust the information you're getting, but verify. So for example, I have one of my uh, investors that uh, owns a couple of projects with us. He sends out a guy to look at the property. So he's not just taking my word for how good it is or how great things are or how things are operating or what it looks like and all the he sends a guy out to independently check things out. I send this guy the information. Okay? So this guy looks at the financials, looks at the property, and then reports back to him, hey, here's what I found out. He's trusting what I'm saying, but he's verifying it. Okay, so let's say you're not in a position to do something like that. Should you at least spend some time doing some research and verifying some information? Yeah. Should you at least maybe go out and look at the property you plan on investing in just to see? Maybe that's a good idea. Um, now, this is not only the case when you're looking at investing in, but how about when you own? So I have management employees, a management team, management personnel. Do you think I'm just taking what they're telling me and, and not looking and verifying and checking things out? Of course not. As a matter of fact, I do something that a lot of people frown on. I micromanage. So I'm checking everything. Now, I mean, I'm not... Checking to see how um, uh, how much inventory we've got for tools or supply. I mean, I'm not doing that kind of stuff. But when I get numbers, when I get information, I'm checking. I'm verifying. When we have major capital improvement projects being done, I'm checking. I'm verifying. When I get reports, financial reports from my managers and from the accountants, what am I doing? I'm verifying the stuff. I'm checking it out. And I'm going to tell you, at least 50% of the time, I'm finding something that isn't right. Something that needs to be changed, fixed, taken care of. 
that was not accurate. Not accurate. And I could give you a hundred examples of this that I run into in a month. In a month. I'll give you one. Just to just to give you an idea. So our managers, whenever any of our residents call a company to come and clean out their toilet, their garbage disposal, or their drain. So let's say the, t the residents accidentally, some probably on purpose, but accidentally plug up their toilet, okay? Plug up their drain. Um, it's plugged up. So what happens is the residents will call the managers and they'll say, hey, this is Frank in apartment two. My toilet's plugged up. I can't get it to flush. It's going to overflow. I need some help. Okay, so if a maintenance technician isn't around, uh, what happens is they bring in the, uh, we call them here Roto-Rooter. They come in, the drain, uh, the, the drain cleaning folks. They come in and they clean it out. Well, of course, they charge for that. So then the manager company will get a bill a couple weeks later. And let's just say it's for 100 bucks for cleaning out the drain line in the apartment for plugged up stool and plugged up sink that the residents accidentally plugged up, okay? Well, what's supposed to happen is when we pay that bill, we then, out of the residents' deposit, rental deposit, we take that money out of the deposit to reimburse ourselves. So when clean-out company comes and they charge us 100 bucks, then we take 100 bucks out of the residents' deposit or their bill. So the residents are billed, but if they don't pay the bill, then that money comes out of their deposit. Follow me? Okay. Well, guess what wasn't happening? Residents were being sent a bill, but when they weren't paying, the residents were not having that money taken out of their deposit to ultimately pay us and or our management company for that cost. Now, here's the scary thing. That's one thing. What else is going on like this, right? What else? So, if I just trusted but didn't verify, this year, I can tell you that by trusting and verifying, we are going to put an additional $15,000 of income in our pockets as multifamily community owners. Because this kind of stuff happens all the time across all of our assets. But what we found out our management team wasn't doing, or some folks, some members of that team, they were not taking that money out of the residence deposit to reimburse us for our cost to pay for that. Now, if I didn't verify, if I didn't look at the numbers, if I didn't take a look at those key metrics that I look at, wouldn't have known. If I just would have trusted what was going on, they've got it, they've got it handled. I know they've got my back. That's a bad, bad, bad thing to do. You trust them. You believe them, but you verify it. Okay. Same goes when you are selling the multifamily asset. Okay. So uh, during that whole process of selling, I'm verifying everything. Not only what our costs would be as owners and sellers, 
but also the information flow to the new owners. The information flow that is ultimately my responsibility. So if the new owners receive bad information or wrong information, they take over the project that we used to own, who is going to get their, well, who's going to be the one in court? It's not going to be the employee behind the desk. It's going to be me, right? So it's actually really simple. You trust what's going on. Um, you trust the information you're getting, the communication flow, when you buy, when you manage, and when you sell. I mean, you have to. You can't be suspicious of everything. Otherwise, you'll never sleep. But you take the time, you take time out, and you verify that this got done, this is happening, this is completed, this is communicated, this is accomplished. And far too many apartment community investors and owners do not do this. And unfortunately, they find out when they've got an issue at the very, very worst time. Case in point, our company does a lot of brokerage work. We sell a lot of apartment communities. Uh, I mean, we buy as many, you know, we buy and we own, but we also sell a lot too. We sell more than most people do in the state of Iowa. Okay. And what happens, what we see happening more than we'd like is especially with out-of-state community owners, they're, they've owned a property, let's say, for 25 years, 30 years. They're finally ready to sell. It comes time to now you know, get this property on the market, and now they find out they've got a, either a value problem in other words, they thought it was worth a lot more than what it can really sell for. Or it needs hundreds of thousands of dollars in capital improvements in order to really get the kind of dollars that the seller was really expecting. Now, let me ask you, is the time to find that out a week before you want to sell? Obviously, no. But too many times, because many of these owners and investors are not what? Verifying what's supposed to be going on. Now what do they do? Right? Now what do they do? Happens more than it should. Okay. So nothing is ever perfect. Nothing is ever going to work out 100%. But if you want to really maximize income, maximize the equity and the capital gain you'll eventually get when you sell your multifamily community. And by the way, this is whether you're active or passive, it doesn't matter. You need to trust, but you also need to verify. So those are my top three things. Again, let me go over them one more time. Number one. The dumbest thing multifamily investors do, uh, number one on my list, is they over-leverage. Number two, they over-analyze. Way too much time, disqualify way too many deals, uh, don't make the kind of progress that they'd really like to make because they've got their 
finger up their nose trying to figure out and overanalyze things. And it's way, 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 um, it's way too big of a problem. And then trusting, but verifying. Okay. So hopefully this week's podcast has been informational to you. Uh, you got some good information out of it. I told you, I told you it wasn't going to be what you thought. I know a lot of you are thinking, well, they didn't do inspections or they, um, um, or they didn't negotiate good enough or I didn't mention any of that. Okay. I didn't mention any of that, uh, which not only makes this, um, uh, a little more of an interesting podcast, but a little bit more fun too. So look, have a great day, have a great week or weekend. Always interested in your comments, questions, and thoughts. So get back to me with those. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. Have a great week or weekend whenever you listen to me. And we will talk to you later. All right. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the Apartment Specialist Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.heartlandinvestmentrealestate.com.